Welcome to Scoop with Steve Football. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scoop with Steve Football. This is the latest episode in our weekly podcast, breaking down the Green Bay Packers, who are coming off just a spectacular win over the San Francisco 49ers on a, you know, Final drive with that where they got the ball back with 37 seconds left. Drive it down the field with two passes to Devontae Adams. Spike it and see Mason Crosby kick the game-winning field goal to uh, send Green Bay back home with a with a huge win over the San Francisco 49ers. And now they are set for a uh, rematch of the t- 2011 Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the uh, upcoming week. So I'm Steve Clinton. I'm the uh, creator of Scuba Steve Football, former quality control assistant at Northwestern University and the University of Toledo. I uh, also hold an MS in predictive analytics from Northwestern. And I study the NFL from a perspective that combines analytics and film breakdown. I'm joined tonight by my usual co-host for this show, my brother John. Uh, our father grew up in Wisconsin and attended attended UW-Madison, so we grew up as Badgers and Packers fans, and this show is our chance to discuss Green Bay's upcoming matchup based on my film breakdown of the Packers and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and we'll also discuss the uh, state of the NFC North and the um, wild developments. I don't know what adjective to use to uh, describe what happened to the Chicago Bears this weekend. Uh, We'll talk about that before we wrap things up, but uh, how are you doing tonight, John? Oh man, I'm doing awesome. I mean, on a personal level, Feel bad for Justin Fields, but I was ecstatic that it was so bad for them. Can't root for anyone on the Bears, obviously. And then you follow that up with an unbelievable Packers game. I mean, people can say whatever they want about, oh, you've had Favre, Rodgers, only a couple Super Bowls. As a Packers fan, you get to sit down and watch Rodgers play when he's making throws like he was the other night. It's just, I mean, so incredible. So much fun to watch. I mean, then the ending was just amazing. Bit of a roller coaster there when Adams goes down with that nasty hit. The fact that he was able to pop back up, clear con- concussion protocol, get back out there. And then Crosby still getting it done for us with the gray hair and everything. I mean, <clears throat> it was just awesome. And it was one of these games where um, even though we gave, gave up a comeback and, you know, 49ers scored 28 points, which in today's NFL isn't a massive amount. I really felt like the defense looked a lot better. It's not like we were giving up a lot of easy yards. Garoppolo made a lot of really nice throws in the tight coverage. I mean, the run defense looked better. Um, So I get, I mean, so what did you see uh, as far as the secondary in this one? Eric Stokes obviously was the main topic going into it. Our first round pick getting his first start. What did you think about how the defense looked? Yeah, so uh, kicking things off on the defensive side of the ball, I think that, yeah, what what you speak to there in terms of 28 points being uh, good in today's NFL against an offense like the San Francisco 49ers, I think we have to think of football defense more and more like basketball defense, where, you know, if you're contesting the shots, sometimes that's all you can do. And, 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 you know, it's going to benefit both offenses. And uh, at the same time, I think that what you saw from uh, Eric Stokes in particular and from him and Jair Alexander as a cornerback tandem was uh, extremely impressive. Um, I think that Jair is a fairly established commodity at this point as an all-pro type performer. Um, you know, in this game, we saw him uh, make a, a heads-up uh, mental play when he uh, ran back to get that interception. It looked like the Packers were playing cover four there, and Stokes was playing Kittle on 
that post route, and Jair didn't have a threat to his side of the field, so he looks for the most dangerous man and retreats all the way back and ends up intercepting that ball. That just, was awesome. Yeah, just one more play from in a long reel of high, highlights from Jair Alexander. Um, but, you know, Stokes throughout this game, I mean, you knew about his testing numbers coming out of Georgia, you know, blew up the 40, everything like that, but you just continue to see a, a player who not only has exceptional speed but is extremely fluid has just a really good uh, ability to play the the right tempo in terms of trail uh, technique on different receivers in terms of matching the tempo of the receiver's route so that you're able to maintain tight coverage throughout the throughout the receiver's route you know if you can't change uh, and accelerate and decelerate as the receiver is doing that then it's going to be tough to stay uh, in their pocket throughout there you consistently see that with Stokes early in his career. So he's going to have some things that he's going to need to uh, clean up in terms of his hand placement uh, at, at the uh, catch point just to avoid a couple of the penalties that he got. Yeah. But, you know, those are those are pretty minor details from a guy who's playing in his third NFL game and really is his second um, extensive uh experience game uh, as he didn't play as much in the first game. I, I think that he's, you know, ahead of where you could have expected him to be. So, you know, I think that... You know, Pittsburgh's passing game is not particularly impressive, uh, but their receivers are, and they're probably going to have Deontay Johnson, who has started catching the ball and is, you know, an extremely explosive route runner. Um, you know, he's supposed to be back this week, and uh, whatever side he's going to, whether it's Stokes or Jair, and, and they'll just be able to, I think, play sides because they are pretty similar corners. I don't think they necessarily need to match up against particular guys. Uh, it's going to it's gonna be tough. Tough sledding against either one of those corners for uh, Deontay Johnson and the rest of the Pittsburgh uh, receivers. Yeah, man. Very, very exciting. Not feeling like, man, if they just kind of go out Kevin King over and over, then we're going to be, you know, in some trouble. Um, just real, like you said, you know, Stokes just being right there for all those plays. Really exciting. And then um, in regards to the defense. And, I mean, and, and, you know, the other guy I should mention uh, when we're talking about the coverage on the back end, who I think has been really impressive this year, is Darnell Savage. Oh, uh, right, right. You know, we, we were talking about him a little bit while we were watching this game. And, I mean, just, you know, it's really tough to see on the broadcast because the safeties aren't in the picture most of the time. But, you know, they the Game Pass does have uh, some coaches. The coaches' film is technically up. They're having a little bit of uh, some issues with getting it to stream properly here. But you can uh, see it start in a blurry image, and then it resolves itself as the play starts. But, uh, you know, watching Savage and just the way he is attacking downhill from the safety position and breaking up routes, breaking, uh, you know, just timing up things so perfectly. I mean, that hit he had on, was it Debo Samuel on that route over the middle? Yeah. Uh, where, you know, it is so difficult to deliver a hit in the open field in today's NFL. NFL without getting a flag and the way he did it I mean just it was an extremely precise um precise strike and you know it was a clean hit and he didn't get flagged for it and I mean it, that's that's pretty amazing I think that I saw maybe two hits like that so far this week in the NFL it's it's an extremely difficult feat to pull off yeah no very exciting I mean Savage really seemed to come along the second half of last season it's really exciting to see that carry over to this year because, I mean, his athleticism and everything, hes he's got all the tools. Um, you get two corners out there, and then <clears throat> Savage and Amos, that's a pretty good, pretty good secondary right there. I mean, still some questions at the nickel position, but, hey, we're uh, headed in the right direction. And as far as headed in the right direction, what was also really exciting about uh, the defense is the run defense seemed to really show up a lot more this game. Obviously, San Francisco, they've got a ton of running backs injured. But with Kyle Shannon, I mean, there was a game a couple years ago when Nate Mullins was the starting quarterback for the 49ers. And Kyle Shanahan, he was dicing us up because Shanahan's scheming guys wide open. We don't have the speed to get side to side against his running attack. So I've seen 
the 49ers come out and embarrass us, not just in NFC Championship games, but with backups. And we seem to really do well last time. I mean, we gave up, I think, 67 yards rushing, like 3.2 yards per carry. So uh, what do you think about the run defense? Yeah, I think that there was a lot of positive points. And just real quick, uh, Nick Mullins was the uh, the 49ers quarterback back. Uh, what did uh, I say? Uh, Nate Mullins, oh, I think. But, yeah, yeah you uh, know, we just want to give Nick Mullins right. his due on this yeah, show sorry, here. You know, very important figure in NFL name, history. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I thought that Kenny Clark really set the tone early. Uh, there was that early run where he threw Alex Mack back, uh, just kind of got the jump on him right off the snap on the San Francisco center and forced a run to go out to the right. And then uh, Preston Smith had penetrated into the backfield. They end up tackling it for a couple yards loss. And, you know, just just throughout this game, the, the defensive line played with a much more physical tone up front, I think. And uh, I thought that, you know, Clark definitely led the way on that. But you saw some of the, uh, you know, in addition to, you know, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, you know, having their moments where they were, uh, you know, winning physically against San Francisco's offensive linemen. You also saw some of the rotation players like uh, Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry get involved a little bit uh, in this game. Uh, the 49ers right guard Daniel Brunskill, I think, had a particularly tough time of it. Uh, their left guard, Lakin Tomlinson, also gave up several plays, uh, both in the run game and uh, in, in, in pass rush throughout this game. But, you know, I, th I think it's really good to see them playing downhill. I think that you saw a, a very aggressive mindset against the run. And then, you know, it's amazing to see what Devondra can Campbell is doing, uh, playing off the ball linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, this is a guy who, uh, when they signed him, uh, if I would have written a profile on Devondre Campbell, I would have said that he he's a 4-3 linebacker and he plays the Sam linebacker position, kind of the overhang outside position. So he'll, you know, you'll have two linebackers who are maybe four and a half yards off the ball, right? And then uh -huh. you could have another linebacker who's up on the line. So the, it's the position Anthony Barr plays in the Minnesota Vikings defense, okay. right? So Devondre Campbell played in that role for the Atlanta Falcons for a long time. And it's a much, you know, uh, more reactionary position because you're up closer to the line a lot more times. You're going to be, you know, over a tight end or over an offensive tackle perhaps and uh, immediately engaging with that player. And maybe rushing the passer a little bit. Whereas if you're off the ball, you're reading and reacting a lot more. And Campbell, he's done a little bit of that. But as I say, I if I would have written the profile on him, I would have said he's, you know, a strong side linebacker in a 4-3 defense. And now he's playing inside linebacker in a predominantly, you know, 3-4 looker out of their nickel. And he's just showing really good instincts and just triggering on a lot of plays. You know, the jet sweep to Debo Samuel that he breaks up in the backfield on several runs where he's just showing really good downhill instincts and he, he brings you know really rare size for an off the ball linebacker I mean this is a guy who used to hold up on the edge right so you yeah, have, he's you a have big to, guy. yeah I think he runs like 260 so you know it's it's been a fascinating transition I mean he had a horrible year down in Arizona last year where he you know signed this big contract that was you know prorated into the future to, so that they could fit him under the cap and then he barely played so it, it has been uh, one of the more uh, remarkable stories of the NFL season in terms of veteran reclamation projects uh, but Devondra Campbell's doing a really good job for the Packers yeah man he's been flying around out there it's been really exciting to have that kind of size and speed um, there in the middle and so Talking about the run defense going up against a Pittsburgh Steelers team who can't really seem to run the ball on anyone. I mean, I haven't seen them ton of play, or play a ton, but I know Roethlisberger is, I mean, he's looking pretty up there. And I think he threw the ball over 50 times last game and he's getting hit a ton. So 
it's pretty clear that they don't feel like they can run the ball either if they're throwing it that often when teams are getting that kind of pressure against them. Yeah, you know, despite all the offseason emphasis on uh, how we're going to reestablish the run in Pittsburgh, the offense looks exactly like it did last year, except for the the main difference is that the running back this year is just really good. Yeah, and Najee Harris seems to be legit for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you can just see, the any fan can see, the guy with the ball in his hands, he is explosive, he is moving, he is very difficult to tackle, he's got speed, he's a good receiver. I mean, he can do everything. He is as advertised coming out. But, I mean, I think that you can make a legitimate argument that none of the Steelers' offensive linemen should be starting in the NFL right now. Wow, that's I, I mean, it's just brutal up front. They lose consistently in the run game. They they cannot protect. Ben Roethlisberger can't move in the pocket. He's not throwing the ball with any sort of, you know, special talent to make up for that from the pocket. Um, but, yeah, so in, in terms of the run game, though, as uh, as you asked, um, I mean, it, it's just brutal for them right now. They The you get Najee Harris getting like some gash plays because he is a good runner. And if he gets out to the second level, then he's going to make some guys miss and, and get down the field. But, you know, it seems like almost more times than not, which is an alarming thing to say, somebody on the offensive line loses immediately and Harris is facing a contact or a defender in the backfield. And, you know, nobody's going to win doing that where, you know, you're basically starting at negative three yards. And if you make the guy miss, you might get one. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it should be another good week for the Packers' run defense. I mean, this is not the test that the, the 49ers' uh, run game is, uh, you know, with or without their running back. So I, I would not be surprised to see the, the Packers hold uh, Najee Harris to under three and a half yards, if not under three yards per carry, because that's been kind of the, uh, the narrative for Pittsburgh so far. Um, and it was, you know particularly bad this past week against the Cincinnati Bengals and their defensive line, which, you know, is a, is a very good group. Trey Hendrickson, who they signed from the New Orleans Saints, uh, has played well for them. DJ Reader's back. They signed him from Houston two years ago. He's very stout, but, you know, it's it's not like, you know, Cincinnati is considered the best run defense in the league, and, and they completely shut the Steelers down last week. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's really exciting just to see that step that we seem to have taken. I mean, and plus, we you know, we got a lot of hits on Garoppolo, just mentioning that third component of the defense, the pass rush, and we're doing all this with Zadarius Smith not on the field. So, I mean, once he can, comes back, if we can sustain this, that would be really awesome. But speaking of the trenches, man, I cannot, I cannot begin to express how excited I am or was throughout that game about how the offensive line performed. I mean, got off to a bit of a, a rough start with um, Neiman. You got a guy who was undrafted, has never played in a regular season game, I mean, all reports were that he had a great preseason, and that's all great. You hear about guys like that every year, and then they can't hang in regular season games, and he's going against Bosa. I mean, it did not start off well. We've had games against the 49ers and some teams with nasty front fours, front sevens, when we do have Bakhtiari, when we have our starters in there, and it hasn't gone well. The fact that these guys were able to hold up with two rookies, a guy making his first start in the NFL, I mean... Is just is unbelievable. So, do you think? I mean, obviously, everyone on the offensive line themselves played well. But what other things were the Packers doing to kind of help those guys out a little bit? Because if we're going up against Pittsburgh, and let's assume T.J. Watt does come back and is able to play in this game, um, what were we able to do to help those guys out, and um, what can we do to continue that against uh, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL and T.J. Watt? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, it you know. I think you got to start by giving a, 
Josh Neiman a, a lot of credit for for the way he played. And obviously, yeah, the first first drive um struggled with Nick Bosa's quickness to the inside. But you know, I think anybody who's ever played a sport at any level can you know attest to the fact that when you jump into a game, like it, it takes a little bit of time to get up to the speed of the game you're particular game you're playing in oh yeah this probably is probably so nervous too i mean yeah this is the nfl and you're how the guy you have to get up to speed against is like <laughs> arguably the fastest in terms of just like hand quickness and everything like that he, he might be the quickest rusher in the game i mean oh, yeah. he's as skilled a hand technician as anybody out there nick bose is so yeah i mean there, there were a couple gaps early where he got beat inside at the end of that drive where they had uh, you know got in the purdue fade uh route to alan lazard down the sideline big play to, to get things moving but then stalled out but then you know after that uh you know neiman neiman played a pretty solid game now it on top of that, the Packers did a lot of different things that are going to be helpful, not just to him, but to everybody on the offensive line. You know, they ran the ball well. They do a lot of things off play action in terms of rolling Rodgers and creating easy completions. There were some really great stats about, you know, Rodgers being, you know, perfect essentially when he was getting the ball out of his hands in what was it less than one and a half seconds or something like that yeah. on the broadcast I mean just uh, you know time after time they were throwing quick hitters and you know at the end of the day the Packers had an immense uh, advantage at uh, wide receiver over the 49ers cornerbacks uh, particularly as Kawan Williams and Josh Norman left the game with injuries right, right so you know yeah. that that left them with uh, Diamador Lenore had to come back in um, he had not started the game because Emmanuel Mosley was back but you know he was you know trying to handle Devon Adams, which didn't go great for, for Mosley, and then you had D'Amador De Lenore uh, come on, and you know, then you, you get down to your fifth corner playing in the slot for you at, at some point there. So, you know, it, the Packers had the big advantage at wide receiver over corner, and they really took advantage of that by getting the ball out quickly. You know, also just, you know, Throwing chips, having, you know, when you have that big advantage at receiver, why not have your tight end? You know, Robert Tonyan, right, was not a big part of the passing game yesterday, right? Yeah. You didn't really have any tight ends who had, you know, a huge impact on the passing game. And I think that that's why is that, you know, you want those guys to help protect a little bit, even if they are releasing into the route later, because you, you don't really need them in the passing game tonight. Yeah, absolutely. But talking about, I mean, touched on Rodgers and how quickly he was getting the ball out. I mean, that is, that is obviously huge. So looking ahead to this week between Rodgers and uh, Roethlisberger, obviously, man, it's crazy. It's been like 10 years since we played the Steelers in the Super Bowl, Rodgers versus Roethlisberger. It's a pretty uh, epic matchup between two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, but seems like uh, one's kind of on the downhill slope while one's maintaining his MVP caliber play. Um, I mean, what do you see in Roethlisberger? Like I said, I haven't watched the Steelers really much this year, except for a little bit of that Buffalo game. But, uh, man, it doesn't sound like things are going too well for him right now. It sounds like he's sort of, um, I mean, things might be kind of over for him. Yeah, and, and you know, let, let me get to Roethlisberger in just a moment, because I realized I didn't answer the second half of your last question, where you asked uh, what, you know, the Packers will do against Cam Hayward and, and T.J. Watt in oh, the right, right. week, right? So, and, you know, it starts with Rodgers, you know, him getting the ball out of his hands quickly, disrupting their pass rush rhythm. They'll want to do a lot of the things that they did against San Francisco, you know, who brings, you know, similar uh, element with Nick Bosa to, to a T.J. Watt. And, you know, Watt is going to have the advantage over, you know, unless Bakhtiari's out there, he's going to have a big advantage over Neiman. He's going to have a big advantage if he's rushing from the other side, which he predominantly comes from the other side. So he'll be going against Billy Turner quite a bit. And Billy Turner will, will certainly need help. Now, it, the thing that's been tough is that um, Melvin Ingram, who uh, actually played a ton of snaps for them this past game, who, you know, I dealt with injuries for the Chargers over the past few years, he's been playing really, really well for them. So even with Alex Highsmith out, 
Um, and I don't think Highsmith will be available in that edge rush rotation. They do have Ingram on the other side. So both tackles will need some help. And um, so Neiman and, and Turner will both need to turn to hold up. And then uh, what could be even more challenging is that Cam Hayward's going to be coming from the interior in this game. And Ooh, yeah, right, big test for uh, Josh Myers, our rookie center, that's for sure. For Myers, yeah. And he'll also line up over both guards, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now you would expect that'll be John Runyon Jr. and Royce Newman on the one side. Yeah. And, you know, the Niners, Eric Armstead did have a pass rush win over Royce Newman um you know on a I forget whether it was a pressure or a sack but he had that defeat on him yeah, yeah. Um, so you know I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hayward target uh, Newman because he has well had a pass rush loss I think in every game so far yeah, you know yeah. which you know hey he's a mid-round rookie you know it's not like he's been a disaster but you know you're, you're gonna have some losses uh typically as you're developing as a player so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see Hayward target him so it'll be interesting to see whether you know you might have the back stay in more and potentially chip through Hayward if he wins just moving forward in this game yeah that makes sense and in regards you mentioned um how it was really beneficial for the Packers as far as Adams just beating the cornerback so easily and that allowed us to keep a couple guys in Pittsburgh secondary is is more solid than that right so it might be a little more difficult for Adams or I think that's really up in the air right now to be honest with you um yeah I mean they um lost a number of players this offseason. So mm-hmm. Joe Hayden missed one game with a groin injury. He was back last week, but Joe Hayden's getting up there. So yeah, he, he's, yeah. he's solid on one side, though. And then Cameron Sutton, um, who was the fourth corner uh, the past couple of years during their dominant stretch, he's been uh, playing, he's been starting on the outside in base, and then he had been staying on the outside. He kicked into the nickel in this last game, which he played a lot of nickel uh, when Mike Hilton was hurt for a couple different stretches. So he's solid enough, but he's a downgrade from what they used to have. And then the third corner position, has been kind of a revolving door for them. They've been having trouble uh, filling that role, frankly. They've thrown a few different bodies at it, uh, whether it's been, you know, I'm trying to think of everybody who's been out there. Justin Lane's been out there. Akilah Witherspoon's been out there for them. Um, I feel like I'm missing the, the primary starter who's been out there most of the time. But in, in any case, like, it, it has not been great at that third corner position. So that, uh, whether sudden lines up in the slot or... um on the outside will determine that. Oh, uh, J- James Pierre, um, and then Tr- Trey Norwood's been playing some some big nickel for them. And D- James Pierre, I want to say, though, has been the primary corner on the outside, and he's been vulnerable to being beat so far. So that, that'll that be an interesting spot to, to go. The Steelers don't typically travel any of their corners, uh, so you, w- you wouldn't expect to see, like, Hayden follow Adam. So Adam should have a huge advantage. Uh, they've got a couple spots where that should be an advantage. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, always, that's always big. Adams, I mean, he can run every route in the book you can go all over the place so yep. yeah and hopefully other guys can you know continue to step up i saw mbs might have uh, a bit of a hamstring so which is a bummer for him he had a great game a couple yep. of big plays but uh hopefully other guys step up whether well, it's cobby or lazard or you know maybe uh amari rogers will get in the mix at some point but uh i mean as long as adams is out there and him and rogers have that connection going like they had on on uh, Sunday night, but I think we'll, you know, we'll be all right to a certain extent, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and big opportunity for those guys behind him. Um, but yeah, so, so and anyways, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, so very roundabout way, we'll get back to the Roethlisberger question, yeah. and um, yeah. yeah, so so at this point, um, yeah, we talked about, you know, this being a rematch of 10 years ago when the Packers beat the Steelers in, in, in the Super Bowl, and, you know, Rodgers is, you know, still seems to be, I mean, has regained the, the form that, you know, these past two years, he's been right back at that MVP level, but, you know, Ben just looks 
done. As I mentioned earlier, his offensive line is bad, and he just doesn't have the movement ability. He's not shrugging guys off. He, he doesn't have, you know, as much of a howitzer anymore. They still have good receivers out there, but, you know, they're just asking him to do too much at this age, and, you know, they still can't run the ball. And, you know, at this point, um, it feels like they hit that point where they, you know, won those first 11 games last year, and it's just completely unraveling at this point, and it's just going to continue to unravel until they're at a full rebuild. Um, you know, for Packers fans who aren't familiar with what happened in the first game for the Steelers this week, this year, you know, Josh Allen did not play well for one thing, and then for another thing, they essentially won the game because of a blocked punt. So this is not a team that has just been very unimpressive so far, and it's just really difficult to see how they're going to turn things around because they had the whole offseason to try to figure all this stuff out and, and the problems that they had to that ended their season last year are the exact same problems they're dealing with now so uh you know i think that it, it's tough uh ben roethlisberger is definitely not going out on a victory lap here or you know gonna go out the john hellway way uh raising the lombardi one last time so uh we'll kind of see i think that at some point here the steelers need to um say enough's enough and they need to get Mason Rudolph on the field for four games and they need to get Dwayne Haskins on the field for four games to get those quarterbacks evaluated uh, moving into a draft where I think they'll be uh, picking pretty high here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes you, at some point you kind of have to admit it's over. Um, but uh, so, well, I mean, taking all those things into consideration, factor playing at Lambeau Field coming off a big win, uh, particularly if we get uh, Jenkins back, I think that he's supposed to be uh, on schedule to play this week. So, Hopefully for the pack, we can keep it rolling. And, man, hope all you Packers fans out there enjoyed that game as much as we did. I mean, don't take don't take uh, games like that for granted, man. Those last couple throws by Rodgers to Adams to get us in the field goal range, that one over threat, Fred Warner across the middle is just insane. I mean, oh, and win or lose, getting to see plays like that is just incredible, man. It's, it's so cool. And uh, sort of on the, you know, other end of the spectrum – as we kind of transition to taking a step back and looking at the NFC North as a whole, we talked about, or you talked about, all the different ways that the Packers helped out Aaron Rodgers and the offensive line and just getting the ball out quick, reducing hits. And it sounds like, from everything I've heard, um, Matt Nagy did really none of that for Justin Fields and his you know, huge debut for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I know. You know, it, what was it you were saying that uh, I hadn't heard about this, but Miles Garrett was quoted out of the game. Oh yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 not good when the uh, the guy uh, a guy on the other team's defense says that he was shocked at how little they were helping out the quarterback. I mean, I didn't hear exactly what he said, but essentially it was along the lines of they couldn't believe that Fields wasn't getting out of the pocket more, that he wasn't. They didn't have design plays for him to use his legs, so they were, you know, they were ready for that, and they didn't have to deal with a whole lot of that. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's not a good starting point, but uh, yeah, I mean, this was essentially um, teaching your uh, child to teach, you know, with a sink or swim method, but you know, doing it in a flooded river during a torrential downpour. Um, it, <laughs> I have no idea what Matt Nagy was thinking. You know, when, when I was talking about, you know, all the things the Bears might do uh, with Justin Fields on the show last week, you know, I kind of assumed that they were going to tailor the offense to the guy they traded up to get. Um, they did none of that. I mean, they did not change the offense at all from what they run with Andy Dalton. I mean, yeah, they, they they moved him out of the pocket for the first time in the second quarter. I don't think that they ran a, a quarterback option run until maybe the third quarter. I mean, and they run Dalton on those concepts every once in a while, too. 
So, it, like, everything that I thought might happen with Justin Fields in terms of you can consistently move the pocket, you can consistently have a running back in the backfield and have the threat of the run to set up the pass and make the whole defensive line hesitate. I mean, that's the whole premise of all this stuff with the option game and the RPOs and everything like that is when you hold the ball out at that mesh point, the defense, the defense doesn't know where the ball's going. It's the same dilemma that play action creates, right? They don't know what the play is for a moment. So they hesitate. And when a defense hesitates in the NFL, it creates an opportunity for the offense. So you thought that they were going to come out and run an offense that like, I don't know, some of what Baltimore does, some of what the Eagles are trying to do with, with Jalen Hurts, which is, you know, worked at times. Hurts is a young quarterback. It's been inconsistent, but they did none of that. I mean, they just had him dropping back. They were protecting with five a lot, and they've got Jason Peters, who, you know, it, it was unsigned. I mean, the guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he's at the end of his career. He, yeah. You know, and he's going unsigned up against Miles. reason. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going up against Miles Garrett. I mean, they've got a bad offensive line in Chicago. None of those guys could block. I mean, Clowney couldn't be blocked either. And I just really, it's difficult to understand why you didn't trade up for Mac Jones if this is what you want to do on offense. Like, if this is what you want to do, then why the hell did you trade up for Justin Fields? Like, it yeah. just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, it's, it's an offense where he was set up to fail. And it was his first game. He's a rookie quarterback in his first start. And you're asking him to make all these full field reads with no protection. He doesn't have the processing ability to do that yet. No young quarterback does. Like, you know, I know that he's on the blacklist right now. But I think back to Deshaun Watson. And he acclimated to the NFL like the way he learned. I've never seen anybody learn like him. Like, you would see him miss a read, and then the next time the read happened, like, within the game, maybe on the next drive, he would hit that. Like yeah, he, I remember you telling me uh, yeah. while he was in his rookie season how it was amazing how how much better he was yeah. getting game to game. But, but his first game, I believe it was against the Cincinnati Bengals, and they only won that game because he just ran the ball a bunch of times. Yeah. like they they And they designed that first game plan around that. Well, we were talking about earlier, Yash Neiman acclimating to the speed of the NFL. Your very first game, let's do some things to get you up to speed here and feeling comfortable out here on an NFL field. Like, I think a Kyler Murray in his first few games, he was, he looked slow because he didn't get the angles. The angles were so different because the, the defenders were so much faster that he didn't know where to go angle-wise. Of course, he's really fast. And once he acclimated, you saw that. But you know this guy's going to struggle in his first game. It was, like I say, it was like sink or swim in a torrential downpour. Like, I don't really care what happens to you. You need to figure out how to do this. Like, I... It was stunning to see in a, in a modern NFL game. And, I mean, you just didn't... And, and there were flashes of what Fields can do, too. There were accurate passes. There were, you know... You know, the yeah. sack yardage brought it all back. But, you know, he, he ran around some. I mean, it's... I feel for the feel, feel for him because he was just put in a position to fail. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's brutal. I mean, I, for myself, I'm a little relieved that, uh, that Nagy's going to be in place there because just knowing about Fields' size and athleticism... And, you know, knowing how the Packers have been against some of these super athletic quarterbacks over the years and our, how our run defense looked the first few games, like, man, if the Bears' defense is solid and feels, even if he's struggling with some of the passing stuff, if he gets goes for over, you know, 100 yards rushing on us, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah. And, and I, But if they're, you know, like you said, just having him drop back and pass like a, you know, stand-in-the-pocket quarterback, letting him get sacked. He got sacked nine times then it's 
It's like, okay, well, like you said, it, all of those traits that were so exciting about him are irrelevant at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the same offensive philosophy that, you know, doomed Mitch Trubisky, and Trubisky wasn't as athletic, so it wasn't as stark and obvious, right? Right. It was like, yeah, maybe that is the offense for, like, you could make a more plausible argument that that, 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 that Trubisky could have succeeded in that offense, though I would reject the argument, right? I thought he right. should have been on the, the move more, but with Fields... There's no explanation for that. This guy is a freak athlete. So, yeah. And now you have to figure that Ryan Pace and Nagy are going to get fired this year. If they don't, they're going to get fired next year. So somewhere within Fields' rookie contract, they're going to have a regime change. And, you know, we'll see. I think that he's going to be the next Sam Darnold who's hit in the market with a bunch of people who, you know, or maybe not a bunch of people in Darnold's case, but, you know, with some coach out there who's like, you know what, give me him because I think that I can do something with him. So yeah, we'll, we'll I mean, see. But simply it, put, Fields is getting gazed. Yeah, he I is. Mean, he's he getting is getting gazed. gazed. Man. Yeah. So it's a uh, hey, good for Packers fans though. So yeah, but uh, you know what? What I guess uh, transition forward here. You know, to, uh, what's not great for Packers fans is you know the Vikings, who you know we mentioned on last week's podcast, looking pretty talented, but you know they were on uh, the brink of a really bad start at zero and three, but they come out and uh, that offense just rolled against the Seahawks defense. Uh, now Seattle's the team that's in kind of dire straits. They need to get a win against San Francisco this week. But, uh, yeah, Minnesota's offense uh, gets them moving along, gets them their first win. And, of course, the uh, man, how about the Detroit Lions? Dude, I feel so bad for Lions fans, man. It's just not to – I mean, aside from the fact that, I mean, the, the, the winning field goal was amazing, but they shouldn't have gotten that play. Like, it was delay game. Lamar Jackson snapped the ball like to Mississippi – after the play clock ran out and that, I mean, just to all you Lions fans out there, man, you guys are, I'm impressed with you every year for sticking with your team because you guys handle some brutal, brutal losses. And uh, I think the last time, I, I heard the last time a kicker broke the NFL record on a game-winning kick, it was against the Lions. And that's, so twice in a row. The NFL record has been set when it's been set as a game winner with time running out. Both times have been against the Lions. So it's I'm a, sure all you Lions fans out there aren't surprised if you didn't already know that. I, I mean, it's uh, it's something else. I uh, I don't know how with some of these franchises you seem to get the same old story over and over again through generations, you know, D different owners, different GMs, different coaches. And the story just doesn't ever seem to change. So, you know, we'll see, uh, maybe the lions fans, uh, they get an opportunity to go up against Matt Nagy and, uh, the Chicago bears this week. So maybe they'll find, I think, I think that this could be the, the week that, uh, motor city Dan Campbell gets his first one. So I'll be, I'll be cheer cheering for, uh, Dan Campbell against, uh, Matt Nagy and, and the bears, in, 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 you know, it's a, uh, so it's pretty brutal watching on film what uh, Nagy's doing to doing to Fields here. So go Dan Campbell. I hope that uh, I hope you kick Matt, Matt Nagy's ass here. So yeah, the Lions certainly seem to be playing hard for Campbell. You can definitely say that. I yep. mean, and they hey, played man, the they, Packers tough in the first half, and they were they like I said should have won that game against the Ravens. I mean, obviously, just looking at that that delay game, and I mean, they were right there. So they're they're not getting blown out or anything. That's for sure. Hey, you know, at the end of the day, they are good on the offensive line, and they're going to be better when Taylor Decker gets back at, at left tackle. And then they're good on the defensive line. So, you know, they don't have good receivers. They aren't good in the back end of the defense. Um, you know, the offense is kind of the running backs and the tight end. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you're good on both lines and the quarterback is, you know, semi-competent, you know, Goff's not a great, Jared Goff's not a great quarterback but he's 
average. So, you know, it's going to be a tough team to play against every week. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of the Packers, though, uh, you know, they're, they're playing against a team that might not be so tough to play against every week uh, based on the results the Steelers got last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. So hopefully uh, Green Bay can uh, keep this thing rolling along here and uh, and push out to three and one here uh, and uh, establish a little bit of a, a gap here in the NFC North potentially. So, uh, yep. Well, any last words, John? Go Pack Go! <laughs> oh, great stuff. Well, hey, everybody, uh, enjoy the Steelers game this weekend, and we'll be back uh, recording next Wednesday night and have the podcast up by Thursday morning. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, if you get a chance to uh, like the podcast, leave a comment on uh, Apple Podcasts, or uh, you know, leave a, leave a comment or follow on uh, the YouTube uh, channel, uh, it would be appreciated, and we will be back next week.